Did it change for you? Okay. You're going to miss me. You'll never miss me, rather, when I'm gone. I'm going to try to hook back into that. Okay. Just for the fun of it, let's see if it moves. <laughs> it moved. It moved. Okay, we're good. Many of you that were here pre-2020 have heard this story before, and I apologize. I'm running out of things to tell you, so you need to, to think about that. But many of you that are here now did not hear the things I'm about to say to you, and I'll say them to you, and then I'll get to you and get to God's Word eventually. But when I was a kid, and I'm talking, you know, beginning in about third grade, I think, I went into speech classes, and I had to have a speech teacher uh, teach me how to talk because I did not. I was one of those kids that just didn't talk. I went to school in first grade, and if you spoke to me, you were in trouble because I wasn't going to talk back. I, I just didn't talk. And so by the time I got to third grade, where they're really beginning, to, back then they were requiring you more to say, verbalize things, I couldn't speak. I, I would just sit there and look at you, and so they, they finally got some words to come out of my mouth and found out that I couldn't say many of the sounds that needed to be said. I couldn't say my S's, I couldn't say my J's. It, it, the list just went on and on. So I went to speech class third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. Now, by that time, I was probably, um, really could have been turned loose, but I fell in love with the speech therapist lady. So I went back for sixth grade, <laughs> And then when they moved us to a new building, I walked back to see the speech lady, seventh grade. But I want you to think about that for a minute. A little kid that didn't talk much to anybody, and I really abhorred crowds. I did not want to ever stand up in front of people. I get to be about 22 years of age, and God says, I want to call you to do this. You can't imagine the argument we had. <laughs> I mean, this just was not what I was supposed to do. And here I am all these years later, and I do it every Sunday, and I'm not confident in it, and it never have been. But the thing that I want you to see is that God, what he calls you to do, he will enable you to do, right? I mean, God will call you to something, but he will enable you to do it. Way back in about, Debbie will be able to tell me exactly when, about 2017, I'm going to guess. How long have you been doing food pantry, Debbie? 2014, Debbie had gotten some information on the food pantry stuff. And I can remember clearly her saying, it was a great program, it was something to do, you know, but it wasn't going to be her. And don't ever tell God what you're not going to do, right? And she does a fabulous job at putting that together every month. And she may get frustrated, as we all may, and this, that, or the other, but God enables her and those that come to support and those that come to serve to do. And sometimes it's tough. You don't have time. Sometimes it's tough. You're not thinking it's what you want to do, but folks come. And I'm not talking about the folks that come to the food pantry. I'm talking about the folks that work in it, you folks. Some of us have been called to teach Sunday school class or to do something with a VBS program. Some of us have been called to do things we never dreamt we would ever want to do. When I first went to, to Diana about uh, Elevate Life, she didn't cross her eyes, but I knew she had to think about it. But I knew, because God had confirmed it in my heart, 
that she was the right person. And I'll say something to you that I said to her the other day. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I said to her, she is hustling and she is working, and you need to know that. But if Elevate Life doesn't pan out in the end, it's not her fault. <laughs> For whatever reason, God's got us here. Um, Many of you have been involved in something like that. Bill, he and I talked for a while about what Share Canton would look like, and when he started, it wasn't supposed to be Share Canton. It was supposed to be something completely different, and that's where God took him to, enabled him to get, and to get the job done. Well, today, I want you to see that. I want you to look around here and see the things that get done, the things, not just ministry, the big things and the small things, and recognize that they aren't done because one person's holding this ship up. They're done because as a body together, we work together to get things done. So let's look at this one verse at a time. Paul says, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, and now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Paul's sitting in a jail cell. He doesn't know if he's going to get out. He doesn't know if he's going to be freed. He doesn't know if he's going to die in there. And so he's telling the Christians there at Philippi something very important. And it's something that you and I need to learn. It is that we pursue Christ and we pursue our faith not dependent upon anybody, but upon the author and the finisher of our faith, and that is Christ Jesus. And sometimes, I, and I want to be sure, I'm going to read you in a minute a verse that says, work out your own salvation with trembling and fear. And when we read that, I'm going to say to you, you can't work for your own salvation. And that is so very true. But there is a response that takes place in the Christian heart that when you come to know Jesus and you accept him for yourself, that you want to do something for him about it. You want to serve him in some way. So Paul is saying, work out your, there's the verse, it's this verse. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying to them uh, anything other than this. Grow in your walk with Christ. Nothing. People present, people absent, whatever the circumstance is, there's nothing, nothing that should prevent you from growing in your walk with Jesus. Just a, verse, a chapter earlier in Philippians 1.27, Paul said this, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or whether I don't come and see you, I may hear of your faith of standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Why did I read that to you? Philippians 1.27. Because Paul's in the jail cell, and he's saying, I don't know if I'm going to get out of here or not, but I want to be able to hear that you're still working together, that as one unit, the share Canton, the Elevate Life, all those, pro all those things are working together as one. Can I tell you something? I don't want to share my coffee cup with you. Okay, if somebody gets up this morning, comes up, and takes a sip out of here, it's yours, baby. <laughs> That's game over. That's yours. But yet together... We all, have, not all of us, but some of us walked in here today with a cup of coffee. We share a lot of similarities, but the one thing for sure that we share together is our belief and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and our desire to serve him. And our allegiance is not to Paul. It's not to Joel. It's not to somebody around here. It's to God. 
and our allegiance is to Jesus. And Paul's telling the church at Philippi, your allegiance is to the God who saved you, who sent his son to die for you. And when he uses the word, I told you, watch that word obeyed when I read through it, right? I, I remember way back when I did a wedding. It was one of the first weddings I did. It was for somebody my wife worked with. And we didn't rehearse. I mean, it was out at some lake somewhere. We just walked up, you know. I had my little book, and I was young. I started reading to them. And the, the old Methodist uh, uh, ritual for weddings had the word obey in it. And I, I said to that bride, you know, repeat after me. And we got to the word obey, and she goes, oh. <laughs> oh. She looked at me and says, do I have to? Sometimes that's how all of us view that word obey, isn't it? No matter who it's to. Paul is not saying you're going to be obedient to him. Paul's saying you need to be obedient to God. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, but do it understanding that the actions you do and the things that you do, those are obedience to him who called you. How many of you know that when you become a Christian, I mean, we want to talk about it's free, it's the unmerited favor of God and how good that is, but how many of you realize that when you become a Christian, suddenly you have a whole new set of obligations placed upon you? Did you know that? Paul says, work out your salvation with trembling and fear. He's not saying, when I say to you that there's a new set of obligations, it's not that you're obligated to somebody. It's obligation to put your faith into operation. It's obligation to, to do what Christ is calling you to do. There are many people who might read a music book, right? I, I am sure glad that the heart doctor the other day didn't just read a book about it. I'm sure glad that he didn't go watch a TED Talk or a YouTube video about how to get this job done. But you can read a, a book, if you would, about music theory, right? You can read a book, but that doesn't make you a musician. A and you can go get a theological degree, but that doesn't necessarily make you a preacher. You can do a whole lot of things, but it doesn't necessarily, when Paul says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And when I tell you that you're full of obligations, the obligation is to use the giftedness and use the life that God's given you for his glory, for his honor. Our obligation is to him and what he's called us to, to corporately and individually works together to make us the body of Christ. When he says without fear, or rather with fear and trembling, he's not talking about being fearful of God or being fearful of being a, a, a Christian. He's talking about the fact that we live in a world that's full of sin. We live in a world that's full of sin. And we are to, he's going to say it in a minute, shine as lights in a world that's, that's dark. So when Paul says here, my beloved, not only if I'm with you and if I'm not, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for, and now I want you to look at this, it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God gives us the energy to do his will. God gives us the grace to do his will. God gives us the ability to be allowed to work out our salvation for his pleasure. For his pleasure. He does not ask us to do what we can't do, but rather, he asks us to do what he's enabled us to do. 
what he's gifted us to do. It's not enough. You know, I went on, on a mission trip to Haiti years ago. And we met as a team for up about a year before we went. And there was a guy in that team um, who had a, a, a cancer on his hand. Now, this was not a little brown spot. I mean, he had a, a big old cancer sticking out there. I mean, it, it would make it hard to get a wristwatch on back in the day when, you know, you had the, the wristwatch with the springy thing. I mean, it was sticking out. It was obvious. And I remember we were riding on the plane uh, out of New York to go to Haiti. I'm sitting next to him, and I said, you know, what is that on your hand? And he said, that's a, a skin cancer. He said, but it's a healed skin cancer. I said, a healed skin cancer? I mean, it looked ugly. I said, a healed skin? Yeah, he says, I have willed it to be okay and healed, and it will be okay. We got back from Haiti, and about three weeks later, he died. And, and my point in that, in saying that to you, is God's not asking you to wish something happens. He's not asking you to, to, to have good intentions in the body of Christ. If God's given you the will to be his servant, if he's given you the will to be a Christian, if he's given you the desire to serve the body of Christ, he will enable you. He, he's not going to wish you would. You know, I had a friend who, she said she's going to go back to school to become a missionary. Really, yeah. She's going to go back to school, be a missionary. She's about 22 when she told me that. Just earned her nursing degree. She went back to school all right. She went back and got a master's, and she went back and got another one, and she got another one. And then one day she retired. She's now living a good life. But you know what I noticed? She had great intentions. Are you with me? But never put it into never put it into practice. Getting back to that unity notion, Paul says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. I want to point out to you, you, you know what grumbling is, and you know what disputing is, and you know that I could stop here for a half hour and tell you about how evil we are with our grumblings and our disputings, right? But I'm not going to do that. But I am going to point out that word all. All. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, just for the record, I want to tell you what. I <laughs> there's things I love to do. I love to work on cars. I love to do, but, but that really right now doesn't have anything to do with the body of Christ. I love to play with my dogs. That really doesn't have anything to do with the body of Christ. What I'm tasked here to do is to spiritually prepare messages to present to you, to edify the body of Christ and to challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Can I let you in on a little hint? Most days that's good, but you know there's days I wake up and say, I don't want to do that today. <laughs> do all things without grumblings and disputings. Most of us can do one or two things with joy in our heart, right? But then we'll find those things that God asks us to do that are hard. That's where the challenge comes in. 
church at Philippi, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Recognize that it's God working in you to will and to do his will. He's enabled you and do it without grumbling or disputing. Do not just one thing, but all things. How many people in this place have ever had to change a diaper? was raising our kids, you know. If it came time to change a diaper, I, I could be okay with that. But there was a particular way that um, those little babies of ours would present their dirty diaper that would force me to find something else to do outside real quick. You, you know what I'm talking about? Do all things without disputing and without grumbling. Why? Look at what Paul says. So that you can be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Why would we work out our own salvation? Why would we put into effect, into practice, the faith that we say what we believe? Paul says because you're lights in the world. Because somebody somewhere is watching you. You were already Christians. You were, you were already children of God by nature and position. Do you realize that? What do I mean by that, by nature and position? God loves you. No matter what. God loves you. No matter what. You say, man, God doesn't know what I did. Oh, yes, he does. God knows what you think, Joel Adkins. And God knows what you say under your breath, Joel Adkins. And God knows the true depth of the evil in my heart. I'll quit saying you for right now. But he knows about you too. But the, 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 the beauty of it is, in spite of all that, God loves us. And when he forgives us and we accept him into our life, without doing a thing, we are seated at his table. Our position becomes fixed. Methodists, the old time Methodists, would call this next step sanctification. It, it means when we, when we begin to progress in our faith. But let me explain it to you. you know, I had, um, I had a little kid one time say to me, I said, you ever accept Jesus? He said, yeah, I've done that dozens of times. <laughs> I had a guy one time, and he got legitimately as saved as the day is long. He accepted Jesus, never heard about Jesus the way he was told, and he said, I want that forgiveness, and I want to ask Jesus into my heart, and he did that, and the only problem was his mouth was more colorful than any rainbow you've ever seen. And he got up from praying, and within five minutes, that colorful mouth took off. Well, can I tell you something? Some people said, <gasps> you know, <gasps> Can I tell you something? When he asked for forgiveness and God did forgive him and when he accepted Jesus into his life, it was not about what came out of his mouth that seated him at the table. It was about what Jesus did on the cross that positioned him at that table. And church, you got to see that. We're all at different places along the way. I had a friend died a couple weeks ago. I grew up with him. 
he had uh, he had a lot of problems. A friend of mine, another friend of mine, said to me when I told him he died, he said, "You know, he fought a lot of spiritual battles, and you better believe he did. Spent time in jail, hooked on drugs when he was a teenager, hooked on drugs as an adult, but God." forgave him he worked on a church staff and the most amazing thing about him was he stand up to sing you'd think the angels were singing and he'd sing for jesus but he had struggles if you've known anybody that's dealt with with drug addiction and a life that's far different than the one that i've lived you know that those demons come back but it doesn't change the position that god sits us in do you understand what i'm saying are you all with me and therefore, we shine as lights in the world. We shine as lights in the world. This is evidence of what God can do. And the way that happens is, I've got to take you to the next verse for just a minute. Because we put the verse numbers in there. That next verse says, holding fast to the word of life. And the only reason I have that there for you is the Bible. God's word. That's what, that is what strengthens our faith and helps us to know what it looks like to be like Jesus. People get so mixed up, you know. We think that God said, God helps those that help themselves. God never said that. The way you know what God said is you get acquainted with his word. And Paul's saying to the church at Philippi, and I'm saying to you this morning, you want to shine as lights in the darkness? You want to live in such a way that you're working out your own faith with, with fear and with trembling? You'll do that by figuring out what Jesus is all about. And the way you find that out is not by coming here at 1015 every Sunday morning, but it's by looking for yourself and finding out who he is. There's a lot of really good people in the world that don't have a clue what Jesus is about. It's about him. And the way you do what Paul's talking about to do today is to hold fast. Look at what he says here in that 15th verse. Hold fast to the word of life. Why? So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I didn't run in vain or labor in vain. Let me just cut to the chase on that one. Paul's saying, on the day when Christ returns for his church and when all believers will have their their lives, what they did as Christians, how they worked out their faith with trembling and fear, when they have that inspected or looked at and rewarded by Christ, Paul says, I want you to know that I want that day to come and so I can say that I didn't do it for nothing, that the sacrifice that was made, that the time that was given, that the effort that was built into this was worth something. Now, you may be sitting there today and looking at the preacher and saying, oh, he just had a heart, Kathy, he's talking by himself. No, I'm not. Talking about you. The sacrifice do you make? What have you done for the sake of the kingdom? And I'm not saying you haven't. What I am saying is understand that God gave you the ability to do that. It's not a sacrifice. God gifted you to do that. It's not a sacrifice. And so from now till then, we serve him. Not because I'm something great, not because you're something great, because he's something great. Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and the service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. See your life as a sacrifice 
not of what, not of what you have done for him, but rather a response to what he has done for us. And Paul says, likewise, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with him. Don't wring your hands. Don't say, oh, how's it going to get done? But simply say, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. And I won't be quiet. There's joy in the house of the Lord because he called me out to his service. You know, I'll tell you what I don't think I ever told in church. Some of you that have been around here forever can tell me if I told it before. If I told it to you, it was probably in private. It was never told publicly and certainly never over the Internet. But here goes. 1985, my first little church. Precious little girl in that church. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't that one. A, uh, uh, an older gentleman in that church who raised livestock. I'll not specify exactly what passed away. And he had the unfortunate, um, he had the unfortunate circumstance of, ha uh, of having me do his funeral. And it was my very first funeral. And we went into the little funeral home in this little town not far from Canton. And his widow sat there in the front row. And your pastor got up as a young man, a lot thinner, wearing a suit and a tie. And had my heels on and had my little my little coat, my little briefcase, you know, and I go in there to the church and I preach my heart out about uh, this guy and his service and, and, and his life and what Jesus means in the face of death. First, first, first sermon I ever preached. Got done and they, you know, usher the family by the casket, usher the friends by the casket. They asked the pastor to stay while they closed the casket. They closed it up. I follow it out. We put it into the back of the hearse. The funeral director takes me by the arm and brings me up where my wife is sitting in the back seat of the limousine. And I was really curious at that point how I did on my first funeral, right? Wonder how I did. Lied into the car and I said kind of softly, well, honey, how'd I do? She said, zip her up. <laughs> now, why do I tell you that? <laughs> why do I tell you that? We think, don't we? We think God expects perfection. No, God is perfectional. He's enabled us. He's gifted us. He's called us together for such a time as this. He knows your faults. He knows your sins. He knows your frailties. He knows what you can do and what you can't do, but he also knows what he can gift you to do, what he wants you to do, and what you will be fulfilled in because he created you and he knows you. And in spite of whatever imperfection, flaw, or circumstance in your life, you think that he cannot use you. He's longing for you to take the step forward. I lost my, my big final point today. I don't know why my slides are just mixed up, but what I'll say to you is this. God, who's called us, enables us. God, who's called us not only to himself, but to each other and to a world that needs him.
a light that's a, a, a world that's in darkness. He's called us to be lights in that darkness. And all he needs once we've accepted him is to, for us to put that first foot forward. You know, Jesus, when he hung upon the cross, could have called down legions of angels. He could have put an end to that. In the garden, he literally prayed that way. He said, Lord, Father, if there's some other way, then he said, but thy will be done. And you may think, man, I don't, I don't want to do this, but God says, that's what I'm calling you to. Or I don't want to do that. And God says, but that's what I'm calling you to. He said, but I can't, you know, I've got this, per this circumstance. I've got this situation in life. I've got this, I've got that. Just think if Jesus would have said, God, I'm busy on Saturday or Friday. We're to have this mind in us that was also in Christ Jesus. Who, though he is in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself the form of a servant, became obedient to death, even death upon a cross. Amen. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, but we'll sing a thousand hallelujahs. Would you join me?